That is the day you peace out of publishing. No, that is the day I wore out of publishing. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Writing in Real Life, your weekly dose of marriage, publishing, parenthood, and writing. I am Barry Liga, and with me, of course, is my wife and my co-host, Morgan Baden. Hello, Morgan. Hi, everyone. So we are recording late this week. We're recording on Monday. And we were publicly shamed on Twitter. And we were shamed for it. (laughs) Usually we record on Saturday, and then the show gets edited on Sunday, and we post it on Monday. Instead, we were recording on Monday because uh, Saturday, just everything fell apart, and then Sunday, we were just... A wreck. We were out all day. It was a family. You're so dramatic. We were just a wreck. Everything fell apart. (laughs) I I was just so tired. No, we just had plans. Yeah, but I was just really tired. We 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 could have recorded when we got back from our plans, but it was an exhausting day. It It was was. a great day. It was a great day. It was an exhausting day though. So uh so we are here now. Sorry we're late this week. Especially sorry Melissa who shamed us on Twitter about it. Uh but we are here now. So I want to start off by announcing the winner of the contest that we first announced way back in episode 12, three weeks ago, which is for the one of the signed advanced copies of After the Red Rain, signed by all three co-authors, including Peter Facinelli. And the contest was to go to that episode and leave a comment just saying why you want the book and we got a lot of entries some people entered on barryliga.com oh, i they? think they weren't quite clear on the rules a few people tweeted their reasons and yeah. like that wasn't quite it either but, but i deal with this all the time at yeah, work for they, our social giveaways yeah people get, comment in the wrong place they get points for enthusiasm yeah uh and uh you know there was there was one entry in particular that was just huge. And when you saw it, you called and you said, well, this has got to be the one, I right? I was like, okay, we have a winner. And it's a very long entry and it talks a lot about how this person is a big fan of mine. And that's fine. And honestly, my first reaction was not to make this person the winner because if we do future giveaways, I don't want people to think that the path to victory is to write something really long and involved and also to talk about how great I am as a writer. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is this person clearly did put a lot of effort and thought into this and had very good reasons for why he or she, I I don't know which, uh, because the name is Alex, which could be anything, but Alex wrote a, a very nice comment saying why he or she wants this book and we are going to give it to him or her so alex uh you'll be getting an email from me very shortly asking you for your particular so i can send this to you congratulations everybody else who tried there will be four other ways to uh win a copy of this book including right now on twitter all you have to do is tweet with hashtag after the red rain and uh, you will be entered, and at the end of the month, I'll be giving away the second book. Nice. And next month, there will be more contests, and I'll be giving away one of these every month right up until the book comes out. Awesome. So there you go. So before we get into the serious topics of this week, I wanted to flash back quickly to last week's episode about routines. Okay. Uh, because our listener, Sarah, left a massive mega comment. This is the week of massive mega comments. We had the the big book written about, about after the red rain. And now we have this one about routines where she sort of laid out her entire writing routine. And, and it seemed like her life, uh, (laughs) in this, in this comment, I assume you read it. I did. Okay. We both read this and, uh, and it was interesting to read. Yeah. 
And I want to, I encourage listeners to look at it. It's, it's uh, under episode 14 and uh, take a look at it. But don't get so caught up in it that you think, oh, this is how to do it. Because I think, I'm not sure we we talked about this last week, but I think an important thing about routines is not every routine works for everybody the same way. Right. And it's really important that you figure out what works for you. Yeah. You if, know, if at all. If at all. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, what Sarah is doing is clearly working for her. She's got a book that she's in the process of, of editing that she's going to be sending out to agents. I mean, the girl sounds like a machine. Well, she's 23, I she know. says, too. So that's, I mean, you she's know. young and full of energy. She's young and full of energy. We're and- jealous, Sarah. <laughs> Send us some energy. Actually, no. Just, are you available to babysit? <laughs> So I, I think it's important, you know, look at it. And I think, I think the, the interesting thing that you can get out of other people's routines, and I don't know how you feel about this, but what you can get out of it is you can sort of see how, how they, they structure their time yeah. and you can sort of get ideas for, oh, well that part wouldn't work for me. But if I took this part over here, that might work, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I did a blog post years ago where I sketched out exactly how I write a book. I should from, from the time I sit down to start through the time it's finished and goes off to my editor. And that's completely not true anymore because I (laughs) I can't maintain the pace that I enumerated Uh. in that, in that blog post. I did that not to tell people, here's how you do it. You know, I'm, I'm not prescribing this to anybody, but it's just, here's how I do it. And by putting some structure into my life, here's how I can accomplish it. So, yeah. what, I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I wanted to add, too, after last week's discussion, I think I mentioned that Paul suggested I get up at 5 a.m. He'll wake me up with a phone call. Easy um, for Paul to recommend you get up at 5 a.m. <laughs> it is. And, and I should write for an hour, et cetera. Well, this morning, I actually sort of attempted that. Um, I said to you the other day, I was going to try for this whole week to get to bed an hour earlier. Um, I feel like usually we don't fall into bed until 1130. Yeah, Um, somewhere around there. And I really, I try to be in bed at 11. That never happens. And it's always 1130. And and it's really frustrating because then I don't fall asleep until midnight, you know, I sort of have to unwind. But anyway, so this morning, I set my clock for 615. And first, she apologized last night, listeners. She said, I'm sorry, my alarm's going to go off really early. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is, is it's so hard to know what time Leia is going to wake up, right? right? Like, I can estimate based on what time she went to bed, and she's pretty, she's got a sort of 45-minute window of waking yeah, up. Yeah, between 6.30 and quarter and after 7, yeah. somewhere like that, yeah. But 45 minutes is a lot in the morning when sure. you're trying to plan your yeah. own oh, definitely. getting out of the house routine. So anyway, all this is to say, I set my clock for 6.15, um, and I took a shower, and I was like, now I'm going to go write, and basically just wait for her to wake up, and, and then stop writing and, and go be with her. <laughs> and after my shower, I was just so relaxed, and it was only 6.30, and she was still sound asleep, and I climbed right back on into bed. <laughs> Just this once, I'll take a luxurious nap before the baby wakes up. So I literally got out of bed just to shower and then crawled back into bed and dozed for like 15 minutes before the baby wakes up. So failed experiment number one. Uh, but I really do think I'm going to try it again tomorrow. Just the shower? Just the shower. <laughs> just the shower. <laughs> no. uh, I'm not going to go crazy and, you know, do a 5 a.m. wake up. But um, but I do think I'm going to try for 6, maybe 6.15 again. Yeah, and, give it a uh, shot. Yeah. Give it and a I shot. am going to try and go to bed early tonight. So. I'm just incapable of doing it. I. You, it kind of amazes me, your ability to to sleep. 
<laughs> I mean, listen, I'm a champion I'm, sleeper from back I am in the day, making but... up for lost time because yeah. from the age of like 12 to about probably 22, yeah. I averaged like four hours a night. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, I had serious insomnia. Yeah. And I was just a wreck. Uh, and, you know, at that age, you can sort of get away with it totally. because you're crazy and irrational, but people expect you to be crazy and irrational right. at that age. So it, it didn't really show, but yeah. no, I was, I was a wreck, you know, until I was in my twenties and then I, I started sleeping a little bit, but yeah. So now I, yeah, I, I just cannot get up in the morning. Yeah. I'm, I'm horrible in the morning. You're not horrible. You, you're just, it just takes you a longer time to, yeah. to wake up. I mean, I, I told you last night that I yeah. planned this morning, oh, I'll get up 15, just 15 minutes early and just get a shower in the morning. And yeah. I couldn't even do that. I, you know, I had to I, wait till the afternoon to get my shower. I left like right, right on time today yeah. and you're normally up and you were not up. And I was like, Hey, I'm leaving yeah. for work. And yeah. you're like, what, what time is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, so yeah, routines. Really good if if they work for you, you know, work just, your routine, routine your work. What is that saying? What? I know. <laughs> just don't don't allow anybody to tell you this is how it's done. Don't yeah. become a slave to somebody else's routine. Totally. It's one thing to be a slave to your own routine and your own habits, but don't be a slave to somebody else's routine. You know, we we quoted I think in our very first episode the line about uh, if somebody tells you what's wrong with your book, they're probably right. If they tell you how to fix it, they're probably wrong. Right. If somebody tells you to get in a routine, they're probably right. If they tell you what the routine should be, they're probably, they're probably wrong. wrong. That is now Liga's axiom. We can, Love it. Yeah. Well, make that a thing. Hashtag it. <laughs> okay. That's the final word on routines until we have something else to say about <laughs> it. So let's give everybody an update. We didn't do that last okay. week. Let's give everybody an update. How are you doing? I'm meh. Meh. Um, That's better than <sighs> I guess so. I did a couple of nights last week. That's editing. great. Yep. And I know you finished a chapter. You I got did. A chapter. I, I'm, I'm cruising along through some chapters here, which is nice. Good. But this this past week, I, towards the end of the week, suddenly stopped working on the revision and picked up uh, an old essay that I had started like way back at the end of 2014. Yeah. So, you know, six months ago. And it's just an essay, a personal essay I've been toying with since then. Uh, and sort of once a month, I, I take an hour and work on it. And... Yeah, I just was struck by inspiration, I guess, and it's something I, the topic of it needed to sit with me for a while. Right. As you know, I burst out a sort of first draft, and, and you read it, but I knew it wasn't near completion, right. um, and I got some feedback, and, and I've been working on it steadily ever since. So it was nice to, to switch gears. So I think I, I, I think in your update, you actually have two really interesting kernels that we can talk about here. Okay. The first one is sort of the idea of you're working on one project, but you put it aside to work on another one. Even though you have no end of work to do right now right. on the first project, uh-huh. you know, it's an entire book that you're revising. Yeah. There's a lot of work involved in it, and you want to get it done as soon as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. But you still decided to put it aside to work on this this essay for a little while. That's the first thing to talk about is, okay. is when you do that, why you do that, when it's appropriate. That sort of thing. But the second thing that I want to talk about that you mentioned that's really interesting, you started writing this essay the end of last year, easily six, six seven months, months ago. ago yeah. yeah. And you're, you've been working on it sporadically ever since. A lot of times, I think when we think about writing pieces, we think about you start working on it and you work on it till it's done and then you move on to the next one. Right. And here is something where you've sort of deliberately, it's not like it's a long piece. It's not like it's a thousand pages long. No. So it's taking you a long time and you dip back into it when you can. It's, a, it's an essay. It's a short essay. Yeah. 
and you're giving yourself time and you're taking a long time to do it and working on it when you can and when you feel like it. That's the other thing I think to talk about. When do you deliberately, in some cases, protract a project? Okay. And and take 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 more time with it than people might think you take with it. Okay. So there you go. Two questions for you. I'm gonna kick back okay. with a with a whiskey. You you answer those. <laughs> Let me start with the second one. Sure. Which is I feel like I know when I'm working on something. I tend to know as I'm working on it that uh, that it's not going to be ready for a long time, hmm. or that it is. Like I, I feel like I, I just know in advance. So you just have a sense of it. I, I do, and it's all about subject matter and how close to it I still am. Ah. Um, and what I tend to do is I'm I'm inspired by like obviously my emotions. A lot of writers are, but sometimes it's especially with something like motherhood, which is partly what this essay is about. I mean, that's all still brand new. And so there's still lots of emotions rising to the surface and working themselves out. So I started this in a fit of passion, essentially one night. And even as I was writing it that night, I was like sort of spilling my guts. And I realized, okay, this is going to take quite a while for me to iron out over the next few months as I step aside and get some distance from what I'm talking about so that I can look at it a bit more clearly. So I do think that I know I have a pretty good sense when I'm working on something uh, of whether this is something I'm going to be done with quickly or I'm just dumping my emotions onto the page and I will sort them out in six months or three months or a year, whatever. I know in a lot of cases, people are worried that if they start on something with that passion mm-hmm. that you had, that you describe and then put it aside, they are afraid when they return to it with the cooling of the passion will also come a cooling of the desire to work on the piece. Mm. Are you at all concerned that two months from now, you're going to go back to this essay and go, eh, just not feeling it anymore. And, the, and, and, and if you feel that <laughs> for brief and necessary follow-up, Mr. President, <laughs> if you feel that, will you then feel that you wasted that time or will you feel it was time well spent because you still learned something? I feel like I need a whiteboard to keep track of all of these questions. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. It's getting, <laughs> no, no, no. it's getting deep. Um, I, I, that's always a risk, I suppose, right? When you start something and if you don't come back to it till later that you've lost your interest in it. Of course, that's a risk. This particular essay, it's, I wasn't worried about it and I'm currently not worried about it. Um, I actually started another sort of personal essay. I'm just calling it a personal essay for lack of a better word. I I guess that's what it is. In January of this year. So a couple of months after the first one and related, but basically a different thought process and just a different general thought overall. And that one I've looked at since then. And I was like, oh, that was just me getting some emotions down on the page. Like, I don't need to work on that. That's not a thing. It's not going anywhere. But it wasn't a waste of time. It was very much a, a cathartic experience for me. I never, I literally never view writing as a waste of time, even if nothing happens with it, because you're always learning something or uncovering something or fleshing something out in your mind or letting something release when you write. Okay. So that was a very long way of saying, uh, yes, it's risky. <laughs> you might lose interest or passion, um, but that's okay because you still got something out of the process. Right. So then going back to the first question. Refresh my memory. Well, the first question was, how do you decide when to put aside your main oh, right. your, your main project, for lack of a better term, your main project, and work on the side project? Yeah. Uh, when do you decide that? How do you decide that? You know, what, what, what's involved in that? Is it just a gut call or? I think it is just a gut call. I mean, I, start, I picked up the essay again last week, actually partly because 
it's Mother's Day this weekend, and it's about motherhood. And so I was just thinking about it and thought, oh, maybe I should get back into that for a few days and see how that feels. See if I'm at the appropriate distance now to to edit it properly. But it is also just a gut thing. And sometimes, frankly, maybe you just get tired. Like, I worked on my revision of the manuscript for a few days in a row, and... Um, I was about to dive into a new chapter and I thought, let me take a couple of days break from that and, you know, work on a different part of my brain, I guess. Right. And yet you're still being productive because yeah, exactly. it's not like you, it's not like you said, well, I need a couple of days break. Let me make some popcorn and watch Bravo. Well, I, I you know. said that too. So <laughs> you know me so well. No. Yes. What about you? I mean, you've worked on multiple things at once. Yeah, sure. I mean, that was back when I was footloose and fancy free. And that was more a case of I could switch from one project to the other because I just had so much time Uh, that there was no, there was no pressing need to focus on any one particular project. There was just an infinite number of hours in the day and I could jump from one project to the other on whim, really just just purely on a whim. And sometimes I would write something in one project that would make me think of another project. So I would just jump over to the other one and work on that one. Yeah. Uh, these days, not so much. <laughs> well, there's also something in there about sort of the privilege of being not under contract for me right now. Like, well, I'm not under contract no, right I know. now either. I know, but right now I can jump from thing to thing because I don't have any deadlines right? other than self-imposed and it's not my main source of income. So I really don't have sure. any deadline, you know? So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a neat little privilege. I've always seen people talk about how, um, aspiring writers should enjoy this, this moment Definitely. because you're not under deadline. And, you know, obviously the goal for aspiring writers is to be published. Um, and once you're published, with that comes a whole armload full of issues that you don't even recognize until you're in them. It stops being just your book. Exactly. Yeah. And And also you're going to suddenly get people reacting to it. And when you, when you're writing the book and it's all in your head, everything's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets out there in the real world and some people love it and some people hate it. And worst of all, some people are like, eh, well, but I'm even just talking about the practical purposes of you are not under deadline. You can take as long as you want versus you've got to turn this into your editor or, or this consequence happens or that consequence. The editor on my first book said to me that she very rarely has to do much editing on debut novels because authors have spent so much time on them, honing them and polishing them and sanding off all the rough edges because that's all you you have time to do. I mean, you have infinite time to work on this thing. And so, yeah, so she said, you know, that first book comes in, it's usually pretty close to perfect. Wow. And then the second book <laughs> is <laughs> when things so get ugly. That, that's when, that's when she earns her money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, myself, my update, I, uh, I'm doing copy edits on the secret C, which is going along just fine. It's your least favorite part of the process. It is though, my right? least favorite part of the process. Uh, I, you know, one of the things that I realize I don't like about it is I feel like an idiot. <laughs> when I am going through copy edits, you know, I am, uh, I'm an educated man. Uh, you know, I, I studied English specifically <laughs> at the Ivy league and yet somehow they find all kinds of mistakes, wow. you know, misplaced commas. And this sentence doesn't make any sense. And you read it and you go, well, damn, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. And you know, why did you use this word four times on this page yeah. and things like that? And you just, you find yourself feeling like a moron. Yeah. And, and and I know that there's nothing denigrating behind it, but no. I feel like every comment on the manuscript is somebody going, 
wow, you're stupid, Barry. <laughs> you're stupid. Who told you you know how to write? You're no. stupid. And that's how I feel. And so it is not a process that pleases me going through copy edits. I read something once about, about copywriting in particular, how um, people get reamed for like the one typo, but right. no one gets praised for the 9,000 non-typos. You know, so because well, it's your job to not make typos. No, it's not. No, your job is to write a book. Yes, and ideally, as perfect a book as possible. Sure, but you know, I, as possible. It's it. So it's just it's it's that process. I will say, I will say that so far, I'm I'm probably about halfway through the copy edits, and so far, this has been the the least onerous oh. copy copy editing situation I've had. That's nice. For the most part, you know. It's going very well, and and there are very few things that make me feel like I'm a complete moron for not doing it right, and very few things. You know, the other the flip side of the coin is sometimes your copy editor just, just doesn't get something, right. and you just want to jump through the computer screen and strangle them because right. you're like, I explained that part already, <laughs> and it drives you crazy. Uh, but they are, are hardworking people, and you know they have a lot of books that they're reading, yeah, so yeah. they can be forgiven for that. But yeah, so that that's going well. That's going well. And you're cruising along. And I'm cruising along on the book that we shall continue to refer to as Morgan's book. All right. Uh, probably well over halfway through it at this Amazing. point. I, I broke 30,000 words the other day. Leia cooperated by taking ridiculously long naps uh, last week, two days last week, where she just napped and napped. And I mean, the whiskey I gave her worked, man, because she napped a long time. <laughs> And so I got a lot of writing done, which was terrific. That's great. So that was that was great. So that is coming along very well, and hopefully I'll be done with that sooner rather than later. So that's my update. Cool. So let's move on. And I want to bring up something that you put on our list of topics way back when we started this podcast. Okay. And we never talked about it. Okay. And that is, do you think about readers when writing? And then you had a follow-up, so now I need a whiteboard. <laughs> you had a follow-up that said, do you write differently when you know you have readers? Yeah. I think it's a great question. I think a lot of people wonder about that. Yeah. A lot of writers have conflicted feelings about that. How, how do you feel about that? I feel strongly about that. <laughs> now, <laughs> it's a here's great the political answer. I, I wish that I didn't think about readers when I was writing, because I know that's the correct answer. Right. Well, I don't know that there is a correct answer, but I feel like there. I feel like writing instructors would tell you that, and editors would tell you, and agents would tell you. Really, don't write with the reader in mind. You think that? I do think that. Am I, I have, wrong? Oh, I have had agents and editors both tell me. I mean, after I've written, not while I'm in the process of writing, but upon reading something I have written, oh, readers aren't going to like this part, or readers won't respond well to this part, and. I always respond, well, I don't care. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, they definitely... Well, like, he- here's the question. They're in the business of selling books, man. I'm at the point where I actually think about what specific readers are thinking or are going to react to. Like, what's my mom going to say? Not even my mom. <sighs> okay. Although if I were writing like a memoir or something, then yeah, I would yeah. think about family members. But there are particular agents that have read this manuscript. And uh... as I'm revising, I'm thinking... Of them directly. Sure. Is this person going to like this? Did I make a mistake? Yada, yada. And, and yeah. And I also sometimes think of specific people who I'm going to be sending it to for revision or whatever. So that's very much a, a me flaw. I really try to get out of that because I, I don't want, I don't want those voices in my head when I'm writing. 
I find that I'm doing my best writing when they're not in my head, but sometimes it's a battle for me to force them out. I don't know if it's a flaw because your question had two parts. It was, do you think about readers when writing? Uh And then do you write differently? And I think the second part is the key because it's one thing to think about readers and then to go ahead and do whatever you were going to do anyway. It's another thing to think about readers and allow that to force you to do something you wouldn't normally do. That's the thing that I quibble with because my feeling is you'll never know if whatever change you made preemptively helped or not Mm -hmm. with your readers. Yeah. You'll never know. It's impossible to know that if you had done it the original way, they would have reacted however. So my feeling is write it the way you want to write it. Because if you write it for some imaginary reader, you'll never know if you satisfied that person anyway. So why bother? It's literally pointless to do it that way. So do you find yourself changing things because of these people you're thinking of? Or is it just annoying that you're thinking of them? I think it's just annoying that I'm thinking of them. And it maybe makes the process actually longer. In my head, I, yeah, I think probably. because I, I sort of wobble sometimes, like... You start to doubt. It, yeah, yeah. And then I have to do a gut check and, you know, so basically I want these damn voices out of my head. Yeah. I mean, I feel like most writers would say there's enough voices in their heads already. Right, right. You don't need other, yeah. you know, voices from real people. We yeah. have enough fictitious people in our heads yeah. already. But I do want to ask you, I mean, when you're writing something like a series or a trilogy... And you've got expectations now, reader expectations about these characters or about the plot. Does that affect you? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, the the one time I allowed readers to get into my head to a dangerous degree was when I wrote the last Killers book, when I wrote Blood of My Blood. Okay. Because normally I'm writing so far ahead that it doesn't matter what readers think or blog about a book because I've already written the next book. Like, it didn't matter what anybody said about I Hunt Killers because I'd already written Game. So it just... It didn't matter. Even if somebody had brought up a wonderful point, there was nothing I could do <laughs> about late. it. The book yeah. was done. But with Blood of My Blood, we were stalled starting it. So as I was working on it, I was starting to get some feedback on game from some readers. And there were some things where people just completely like missed things. They just, like, I don't know if they had an eye spasm and missed the words or something, but they just really, they missed certain things about the book. And I got, I, I admit, I will confess here and now, I got really annoyed and frustrated reading some of the comments where, and I'm like, it's right there in the book. Uh-huh. So with blood of my blood, I just started over explaining things ah. because I felt like, fine, That's if you book. don't, if you don't get it, I will shove it in your face, right. which is the dumbest way to write a book you know you don't write a book with an attitude like that it was very stupid fortunately i was wise enough to say to my editor when i gave her the book look i think i might have over explained some things if you think i did that please please point it out to me and she did and it wasn't as bad as i thought it was Uh but i had done it and i took that stuff out and it was fine but it would have been a lot easier if i just hadn't put it in there in the first place you know, it's always easier not yeah. to have it in there in the first place than to go and take it out. So, so yeah, sometimes, you know, that, that was the one time that that happened where it just drove me up a wall and I, I did that and I'm not proud of it. I, I feel like an idiot for doing it, but I'm human, I guess. So there you go. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. This is making me think though of those, um, that kind of technology with e-readers where I actually don't know if it's a reality yet or if it's just something people are talking about where if I'm reading something on an e-reader and uh, I stop in a certain part and it turns out a thousand other readers have stopped reading the same book at the same part, then the publisher goes in or the author or whoever um, 
and tweaks that part to basically to sort of re-entice the people where yeah. they think they're going to drop off. I, it's I don't, I, I don't like crowdsourced. Books, yeah. I don't, I don't think the tweak part is there yet, but, yeah. but like, I know Well, the date is there. The I'm just is there. This, yeah. This whole sort of yeah. crowdsourcing idea. Like, is that going to become a reality? Uh, is it really all going to be about reader behavior and uh, how the, the readers act of reading right. or not reading or stopping reading is going to change the text? I mean, they're doing that on Netflix. Netflix knows when you pause, how long you pause, yeah. when you stop, and they use that information not to change what you're looking at, mm-hmm. but when they're developing a new show, for example, ah. they will say, well, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, people are going to stop watching, but if you do X, Z, Y, people will keep watching. Okay. And so they're influencing the creation of new material yeah. based by gathering data on people's responses to old material. Yeah. Book publishing, God bless it, is so retrograde and so in the dinosaur age when it comes to technology. Right. I think it's going to be decades before anybody is able to crunch those numbers. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully I will not be writing anymore when that happens <laughs> because I swear to God, the first time an editor comes to me and says, you know, there was another book that ended a chapter on a dream sequence and it didn't do well. People stopped <laughs> reading there. So you really shouldn't end your right. chapter here. I will not be responsible for my actions. That is the day you peace out of publishing. No, that is the day I war out of publishing. (laughs) (laughs) I will not go quietly. I will not go peacefully. That is the day I burn it to the ground. No, I will not go gentle into that good night. Uh, So, but you know, what they are doing too is there are, there are places where uh, in certain eBooks where I'm not sure what the interface is yet. I only saw this once and I don't remember what the interface was because it didn't impress enough, impress upon me enough, but you can see what other people highlight. Yeah. Kindle does that. Yeah. But you know, you can see like 3000 people highlighted this section or whatever. And that it's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. It's sort of interesting, but to me, it's also, it's interruptive and you know, a book is one of the few artistic media we have left that is not constantly interrupting you. Mm -hmm. There's no ads in a book. Yeah. You know, it's very difficult to absorb a piece of art these days in your own home, at least without an ad being shoved in your face. Mm -hmm. Even if you go to an art gallery somewhere, like, I mean, there's ads up for the next showing. There's, there's signs to the gift shop, you know, it's very difficult to just immerse yourself in a piece of art. And these aren't ads, but when you're reading a book, it might be interesting to know 6,000 other people highlighted this passage, but is it compelling? Is it worth interrupting your reading experience to know that, to have that information? I don't know. It's an open question. So I don't know how we got on this, but I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did. Good job. Good job. I'm glad we got onto that. (laughs) So one other thing I just want to talk about briefly, since people know that I am a full-time stay at home dad, uh, I have gone ahead And done something quite shocking to anybody who knows me, which is I have sort of joined a dad's group. This is not some crazy men's rights organization, people. Don't (laughs) worry. It's not, we're we're not, we're not marching on anything. Just a group of stay-at-home dads who meet at the park a couple times a week and hang out with their kids. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. Morgan, how did you get involved? I was about to say credit where credit is due. You pointed me to this group. Well, here's the thing. I'm like, I'm jealous because we, I have belonged to this. Parks Love Parents organization since 
last June, I think. before the baby came, sure. There are all sorts of meetups, and when the baby came, I was like, I'm going to do this for sure. I should make other mom friends. Obviously, I have other friends who are moms, but I thought it would be neat to... You want better mom friends. Better, yeah. They're just not so good. So, um, no. So, uh, But I thought it would be really useful and sure. helpful to have mom friends who have babies the same age. Right. Um, and we're sort of all going through stuff together. And... I, I swear, every time I tried to go to an event, and something you happened. Try. You I tried. Really did. I'm, I'm your witness. You tried. You tried many, many times, yeah. but something always happened. So I never made it, and then I went back to work, and I was never going to make it. Sometimes there are weekend meetups, but um, but most of the time they're during the week. And uh, and I saw one of the emails announcing that they were going to have some dads. Well, it was. I mean, it's funny how it happened because, of course, it was a wife saying we should get all of the husbands together right, yeah. uh, because men would never do this on their own. <laughs> and, and that's how it happened. And now it's happened. And I, you know, I am not a fan of, I believe the word you use on your planet is people <laughs> generally not a fan of people don't enjoy people. And so it was not, not something in my wheelhouse to go and do this, but you threatened me if I didn't. <laughs> No, you did not. You just said, you should do this. And I was like, all right, I'll make her happy and do this. And I went, and it's fun. It's fine. Yeah. We we spread out blankets and sit in the park, and our kids drool over each other and <laughs> do goofy things. And Leia, Leia does not play with other children. This is so Leia does not interact with other children. She's not interested in children. She likes adults. She's fine. She smiles at all the grown-ups. She laughs at them. She's flirting with all the dads. Um, but she, she sits up really well. The other kids don't sit up quite as well. So she sits up and just sort of watches them all. She, they call her the supervisor. That the other dads, so funny. The other dads call her the supervisor. She keeps an eye on the kids and makes sure everything is cool. Um, and then flirts with the dads. And, and that's <laughs> And it's fine, and we sit there, and uh, and some and this week we are all gonna we're gonna have a cookout. All right, we are gonna meet in the park, and we're all bringing parts for a cookout, and we're gonna grill up some burgers. And I'm on condiment duty, so I have to go and get condiments. Well, this is I'm so glad we have these moments of recording the podcast, so I can tell you these things. right because I did not know them. This is this sounds uh, yes, great. Yes, so we I'm gonna play hooky that. and come. Can you I crash know, the men's meetup? You can. In fact, wives have already done so. I'm a little annoyed. This is this is the He-Man Woman Haters Club. <laughs> and yet... Do you have like a little sign on your treehouse? I have no a little sign. Allowed. No girls allowed, yeah. man. With the S backwards. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, of course. No girls, parentheses, except babies. Allowed. And yeah. And even then, that's a little sketchy. <laughs> but yeah, no, play hooky. Come, come have lunch with us. <laughs> so yeah, that's... That's what I'm doing. Believe me. That's great. Believe me. In a million years, I never would have pictured this for myself. You know, a week and a half ago, I would not have pictured me headed to the park to uh, grill grill beef with other men. But uh, but I am doing this for for our daughter. I so, love it. There you go. There you go. And, and for the, you. And they're all nice guys. They're yeah. all nice guys. I you know, there's that. nothing. You know, they're all nice guys, and, and we hang out, and it's a fine time. So Very there you cool. go. There you go. Men, men of Brooklyn unite, <laughs> and and uh, come to Prospect Park and and grill grill meat. There you go. So now we we need to talk recommended reading and or what are you reading right now, Morgan? Spell. I literally just on my subway ride home tonight finished a book. Okay. Um, as everyone knows, because I talk about it often, Kelly and I switch e-readers sometimes. Right. And she just gave me mine back, and so I was able to pick up a book that I had started about two months ago, um, and then stopped in the middle of and read some other things while she read from my Kindle. Anyway, so it's called House Witch. Oh and yes, I, uh-huh. you mentioned House Witch. Uh-huh. It is I just the, love the, title. the ideal Morgan Baden book. That is not House Witch, as in a sandwich made of a house. 
Although, yum. Although, yeah, it is house witches in house. Housewife slash witch. Yes. Yeah. So it was a really enjoyable read. Um, in retrospect, I probably should have saved it for the fall just because uh, it begins and ends in the fall. Uh, so, um, and I, I like seasonal themed reading like that. Uh, but it was, it was really enjoyable. It was a little bit, um, a little bit more fantastical than I expected, oh. which maybe sounds weird because I'm talking about witches, but witches are real. So, um, no. So anyway, it was very enjoyable. Cool. And yeah. who, who wrote that? House Witch by? Katie Schickel. House Witch by Katie Schickel. Yep. So thanks for the good read, Katie. Sounds good. Sounds good. How about you? I, I have uh, nothing to recommend right now. I am in the process of reading quite a bit, but it's nothing I can talk about, unfortunately. I am reading uh, a manuscript for a friend, which I'm enjoying. Great. And I'm about halfway through that. And then at the same time, I am mentoring two writing graduate students from Piper Center, which is the organization in Arizona that I visited several months ago. And I am mentoring two of those students, and they are sending me their manuscripts. I got one today. I'll get another one uh, next week. So I'm going to be reading. I'm in the process of looking at that as well. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I can't talk about any of those. Uh, I would recommend everybody read them if they are someday <laughs> bound and in a store near you. Uh, but uh, that's it. I, cool. So I'm doing a lot of reading, just nothing that I can talk about. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Another week down, another podcast down. We appreciate you listening as always. Please visit us at writinginreallife.com. Leave a comment, suggest topics, ask questions, tell us your writing routine, whatever it takes. Visit us on Twitter. Follow us at WIRL Podcast. And uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us on iTunes so that we can become rich and famous. And that's it. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you again next week. Bye.